Thank you for listening to this sermon from Renaissance Church located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please visit our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like to know more about how you can partner up to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at gmail.com. doing today? Good. Good. Still a little bit sleepy from the movie night? Some of us are. I am. I know that I am for sure. We had a good night last night though. We had, um, I think we had, at one point I counted there was about a hundred people that I counted and that's uh, 25 more than what, what is normal for us. And that's just what I was counting. I just kind of went through and, and just kind of scanned some people. And I know that more people had kind of come and gone at that point. So that's a huge praise for us. I know that we were operating things a little bit better than McDonald's was last night. Adam and I went to McDonald's at one point and we waited in line for about 45 minutes and didn't even leave with any food. So that is what it is. Pray for McDonald's and uh, pray for us. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm glad to be with you guys here today. If you are new, again, just want to welcome you here today, and we're glad to have you with us. And uh, I'd love to get to know you if uh, you, you would introduce yourself to me after the service. So um, as we begin today, it is my prayer that Jesus would be magnified and that the beauty of Christ would cause true worship to him with our entire lives. Uh, for those who are in need of a Savior, I would invite you to delight in his word today. Let's open with a, a word of prayer. Um, God, we come uh, towards you today um, just humbly seeking your wisdom and, and your power today in us. Um, would we um, just look to, to, to Jesus for that and, and would we be satisfied in him and... Um, would we just be able to, to reflect on, uh, on your son Jesus and all he's done for us and uh, yeah, in all that we do? Um, would we uh, just be transformed to be more and more like him? We love you. Praise in your name. Amen. All right, let me ask you guys a, a question to begin. Uh, question is this, where do you draw your wisdom from? Right? Or I'll ask it a, maybe another way. What is the basis for how you make decisions in life, right? What, is the, what informs you and your life decisions? How do you make uh, life decisions, right? Um, we're probably all familiar with the story of Icarus, um, but let me just, I'm going to share it again uh, for us to just remind us again. So the story of Icarus, it comes from Greek mythology, right? Uh, as it goes, there is a man named Daedalus and his son Icarus, and they're imprisoned in this giant labyrinth on the island of Crete. And so they're in this labyrinth, right, and, and they, they need to escape, otherwise that they're going to die, right? So the father, he's like uh, an inventor, and he comes up with this plan to, to escape, right? And his plan is this. He's going he's gonna to create uh, these wings out of wax and feathers, and, and he's gonna, they're going to fasten them to each other, and, and they're going to kind of fly out of there. So that's, how, that's their plan to, to escape. Um, and so what he does, he, he makes these wings, and he teaches his son Icarus how to use them. And the day comes when, when they decide that they're going to escape. And so before leaving, uh, the father, he, he gives Icarus two rules, right? He says, 
There's these two things that are very important. You need to follow them. Uh, so there's two, two, two rules that he needs to obey, right? First, um, he, he's not to fly too close to the sun or else the heat might melt the wings. And second, he's not to fly too close to the sea or else the moisture might cause the wings to get a little too heavy and, and therefore causing him to, to kind of crash into the ocean. So they're, they're, they're clear on the rules, right? They've gone over them. Hey, rule number one, rule number two, follow these rules and you'll be good, right? And so they, they put on their wings and they take off into the sky, escaping the labyrinth, right? We all know what happens next, right? The, the thrill of flying gets Icarus, like, really excited. He gets up in the air, and he's just soaring. He's like, this is amazing. Like, where do I go? And he's so excited, and he kind of forgets his father's advice, right? He ignores all of what his father had taught him. And what does he do? He flies into the sun. Thank you, Lawrence. And, uh, yeah, so he gets too close to the sun, and the heat melts his wings, and he tragically plummets to his death, right? So there's probably a few things that we can take from uh, that. Um, we're not preaching from the story of Icarus today, but one of the main ideas in this story is, is that we shouldn't ignore the wisdom of others, right? And, and that's a little bit what we're talking about today, actually. Except today, we're, we're talking about not ignoring the wisdom of God, right? Often, what we are is we're prone to, to basing our decisions in what we want to do and not what God wants us for, for, for us to do. So we're prone to, to make decisions based on our own wisdom uh, or the wisdom of this world. And so... Uh, what we do, in, in a sense, is we set up our own kingdom rather than seeking the wisdom of the kingdom of God. What we're going to see today is that the ultimate result of that is death. And yet what we're also going to see is that Jesus provides an alternative way, a way where we can seek the wisdom of God and to follow him. So today we are continuing in our series in the book of Matthew. If you're not familiar with the Bible, the, the book, this book, Matthew, it tells about the story of Jesus, right? So it chronicles his life. It tells about his teachings and the miracles he performed and the life that he led. And it culminates with his death and resurrection. And throughout this book, there's this central theme that, that runs uh, throughout it, and it is that Jesus is king. Jesus is king. He's the true Messiah from the line of King David, and, and he's come to redeem God's people. Also, what we see is that that kingdom, though, it is not always what we expect that it will look like. It often looks a little bit different than what we think it ought to look like. So, for example, um, Jesus, instead of, he, he comes to earth and instead of destroying all his, uh, of his enemies as was expected, he offers them forgiveness if they turn to him. Um, another thing that we, we see is that Jesus invites many people to be healed by him, but that points us to a, a greater truth that he has come to heal our hearts and, and not necessarily improve our immediate circumstances. And so throughout this book, uh, what it, what it, we've been looking at what it is to belong to the kingdom of God and who this King Jesus really is. So let's uh, begin by reading our text for today. Today we're going to spend uh, most of our time in Matthew chapter 14. 
Uh, so you can turn there in your Bibles. Matthew 14 is where we're going to be. Um, I want to begin by reading the end of chapter 13 for us. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Matthew 13, and we're going to begin in verse 53. So Matthew 13, and we're going to start in, in verse 33. Um, if you don't have a Bible, uh, at the welcome table in the front of the church there, there's a bunch of uh, Bibles. You're, will, you're, you're, you're uh, able to, to take one of those, and you can keep one of those if you would like. Uh, it's also going to be on the screen here for us today. So let's, let's read what it says. This is God's word. It says, And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry because of his oaths and his guests, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went, to, and, went and told Jesus. All right, let's dive right in there. Um, so we left off last week. Um, as Jesus has just shared a number of parables with the crowds and the disciples, right? So these parables, if you remember, they are short little stories that give us a bit of an analogy of something, right? They give us a, a little uh, a glimpse of something, they're, they're analogous of something. And the ones that we looked at last week were told uh, they're given to us for a certain reason, right? And what was, what was the purpose, right? They were to show us what the kingdom of heaven is like. So all of the parables, they, they begin with this line, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then Jesus proceeds by telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like. 
And so that's what we talked about last week. We talked about these parables from Matthew chapter 13. Um, if you were paying attention, though, you may have noticed that we didn't get to the end of the chapter. Uh, I know at least one of you was paying attention uh, because immediately after service, uh, after we had finished, Ruthie came up to me and she said, Graham, you didn't finish the chapter. And so thank you, Ruthie, for paying attention. Um, as I mentioned to her last week, that is because we are coming to it today. And so let's take a look. Um, all right, so to begin uh, with the end of the chapter of 13, we see as, as Jesus, that after Jesus finishes his parables, he goes back to his hometown, and it says that he begins teaching there, right? It says, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. And they, and they said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works, right? So as he's teaching... It appears as though people are taking notice, right? The, the people here are evidently amazed by his teaching and, and the miracles that he's done. They can't help but notice his wisdom and all the powerful works that he's done. And so they ask him, they say, they say, where does, this, where does he get this from, right? Where is the, what is the source of his wisdom or what is, and what is the source of his power? And they begin to discuss, right? Where does this come from, right? Is it from his father? Well, no, right? His, they say his, his father is a carpenter. He's not a scholar, and so it cannot be that. Is it from his mother? Well, that's certainly not the case. What do we know about his, his mother? Right? She has a, a reputation of being promiscuous and a liar. She said that she was a virgin and that her, her son was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So it cannot be her, right? Is it from his brothers or sisters? No, we know all of them too. None of this comes from any of them. What, do, what then do we make of Jesus? Where on earth does his wisdom and his power come from? And that's exactly the problem, right? Where on earth does it come from? It doesn't come from earth, right? You see that these people, you see these people were right to question it come from his father because if they had taken it to its conclusion, they would have seen that the power and wisdom that he possesses comes not from Joseph, his father, but from his heavenly father. The power that he holds is not of this world, but of God himself. But they have limited their perspective of Jesus only to this world. Even though his, his wisdom was beyond anything that they have ever seen, even though his works were obviously supernatural in scope, they had hardened their hearts to not even be willing to accept that as a possibility. Why is that, though? Because that would mean that they would need to recognize his authority in their lives. That means that they would need to change. They would have to submit to his wisdom and his power in their lives. And so rather than accept the reality of who Jesus is, they would rather continue in their own ways. Right? They're, they're happy seeking the world's wisdom and the power from the world. Verse 57, it says, and they took offense at him. The people are, are offended by him. Right? If you recall a couple of weeks ago, we preached about John the Baptist being in prison. And, and as he questions who Jesus is, Jesus responds by saying this. He says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Right? That's the same, same word here. They, they took offense at him. And if you remember, we, we looked at the, the NIV, and it says it this way. It says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Right, so these people, 
have made Jesus a stumbling block because they are not willing to accept that his power comes from God. So let me warn us here today, do not let the wisdom and power of God be a stumbling block for you. The, the first thing that we need to recognize is where the wisdom and power of Jesus comes from. Church, we, what we follow is, is not simply from this world. It is not nice words that a good man once said. The, the words that we read in the Bible are not from man alone. They are the words of God. And the power that lives inside of you to, to live out these words is not from you alone. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power and wisdom that we submit to as followers of Jesus comes directly from God. So do not let that be a stumbling block for you here today. Don't, don't be satisfied to be good enough on your own. Don't try to do things by your own power. Don't live by the wisdom of this world or what you see is right in your own, wise, in, in your own eyes. If that is how you choose to live, then the cross becomes a stumbling block for you. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, For Jews dem demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So let me ask you here today, what is the source of your wisdom and power? Is it your own strength, or is it from God? Are you living by the wisdom of the world, or are you living by the wisdom of God? The wisdom and power of God Almighty lives in those who put their faith in Jesus. And so in contrast to this, we, we come to, to another story here. We come to a story of a man who is completely stuck in submission to his own wisdom and power. Someone who refuses to submit to Jesus and, and is a slave to following the wisdom and the power of the world. So we're introduced to Herod the Tetrarch, right? You, you might remember from the beginning of the book of Matthew, Jesus is born and there's a king named Herod that tries to kill all the boys in the region in order to kill Jesus. So that was Herod the Great. Um, the, the, the Herod that we learn about in our text today is his son, Herod Antipas. I learned uh, this week that Herod the Great, he had 12 sons, all of which he named Herod, which is rather confusing I assume he did that just to, to mess with all of us. Um, but we see here, so we see that Herod hears about the, the fame of Jesus spreading, and he decides that he, he, he doesn't really care about this. He, he rejects the power of Jesus. And we see that he makes an, an attempt to explain his power, right? He says, this is John the Baptist, right? He's been raised from the dead, and that is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. 
But I think is, is, is very interesting is that Herod is willing to go so far as to believe in the resurrection of the dead, but he won't go as so far to submit to that power, right? He believes it's possible that God would, would raise someone from the dead, but what we see is that he has no intention of yielding to that power, right? We see throughout the story he wants to be the ruler, and, and what we see is that played out throughout the story here, right? So, so we get a, a little bit of a flashback here to the death of John the Baptist, so John's in prison, and the reason why he's in prison is that he has called Herod out on his sin, right? Throughout this series, what we've seen is that John, he came preaching a message of repentance, right? So he told people, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, turn away from your sin because the Messiah is coming. And that was John's purpose. But clearly, Herod was not exempt from this message. John continued to preach this message to Herod, even though it was unpopular. I'll share a little bit about, about Herod with you. So Herod Antipas, he had married a woman named Aretas, and, and she was the daughter of an Arabian king. Now, at some point, Herod, he goes to visit his brother in Rome. His name was also Herod Herod Philip, we know him as. And while he's there, he becomes enamored, enamored with his brother's wife, whose name is Herodias. A lot of Herods in this story. Um, an affair ensues, and, and the brothers agree to divorce their wives. And Herod Antipas takes Herodias home to be his new wife. Following? Yes? A lot of, it's very confusing, I understand. So many Herods, Herodias, all of this. But that's what happens, right? He takes his brother's wife, Herodias, and, and he takes her home to become his new wife. So this is what John is calling him out on, right? He calls out Herod for taking his brother's wife, and this enrages Herod. He's, he's furious. So he arrests John, and he throws him in prison, and it says that he wanted to kill him, but he feared the people because they believed him to be a prophet. So we get to, to the story about his birthday. Uh, right? Herod, Herod throws this big birthday party for himself. He invites a, a bunch of prestigious guests. There's a bunch of food. There's drinking. There's music. There's dancing. Uh, and, and there's one of the dancers there is his daughter. And, and so she dances for him. It says that it pleased him. And so he says, let me grant you whatever you want. Whatever you want in the whole world, you can have it. What is he doing here, right? He's, he's showing her and all his guests how gracious he is, right? How benevolent of a ruler he is. He says, let, let me show you how great of a ruler that I am. But then, of course, how does this end? We see that his daughter, being prompted by her mother, asks him for the head of John the Baptist. And so Herod reluctantly obliges. He, com he commands that it be done, and John is killed. What are we seeing here? What we're seeing is the, the corruption of seeking your own power rather than the power of Jesus. We're seeing a, a foolish man who is desperately seeking the approval of man rather than God. Notice Herod, when Herod arrests John, what does it say? It says, and though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. So when he arrests John, at this time, he, he wants to kill him, but he can't because of 
the people. He fears what the people will think of him if he kills John. And so he really reveals that he has no power at all in this situation. Also, what do we see at his birthday party? He wants to come across as this kind ruler on his birthday. He wants to appear generous and loving. He says, you can have whatever you want. But when asked to kill John the Baptist, he has to choose if he's going to appear kind and benevolent or if he's going to look weak in front of all of his guests. And again, he seeks the approval of man. He shows that he has no fear of God. He has a fear of man. It says, and the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. And so this king is really no king at all. This king who thinks he can take what he wants when he wants has no power at all. He is a slave to what other people think of him. He rules nothing because he is ruled by a fear of men. And so we see the foolishness of thinking that we can be our own kings in this world. When we try to be the kings and queens of our own world, we show that we are not really in charge. Someone else is in control of our lives. We're slaves to something else. We really want the approval of man. We're ruled by what others think of us. We want to do things our way, but we're really controlled by the wisdom and the power of this world. And this is what the Bible calls sin. And this is what Jesus came to free us from. For, for all that we might think that we're in control, Jesus says, you're really not. You're, you're ruled by something else. And so let it go. Give it to me. Let me rule in your life. And just like we saw with Herod, trying to be our own ruler leads to death. Except that we have good news in that Jesus overcame death for us. And so we no longer need to fear what others will think of us. We don't need to seek the wisdom and the power of this world. The wisdom and power of Jesus is far greater because it overcame death. And God gives us that power. He gives us the wisdom and power to obey him and as he gives us his spirit. And if you've put your faith in Jesus, you have that spirit in you. Second Timothy says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So if you put your faith in Jesus, this is the spirit that lives in you. So maybe you're, you're here and you're asking, what does faith in Jesus look like? I would say we get a, a great picture of what faith looks like with John, right? John didn't resist to call out the sin in his day. He wasn't afraid to, to confront what the sexual ethic was of, of his time in Herod. Herod's, Herod is sleeping with his brother's wife, and he's like, that's not right, right? He's not afraid to call that out and say, repent of that. He didn't fear what man could do to him, and it cost him his life. John was not a reed shaken in the wind, right? He had firm convictions. He trusted God's word, nor was he a man in soft clothing. No, men in soft clothing live in king's houses. He was not like Herod, a weak man expecting a pampered lifestyle. No, John was neither of these. He was firmly rooted in who God is, not swayed by the wisdom and the power of this world. 
he held strong till the end because he was rooted in the wisdom and power of God. So let me ask you today, what are you rooted in? Root yourself in scripture, for it is the very word of God. Hold fast to convictions from God's word. The wisdom of this world says, build your own kingdom, right? Fly higher. Do whatever you see is right in your own eyes, and it all comes crashing down in the end. The world will tell you, you can be your own king if you trust in your own wisdom, but that is so far from the truth. The wisdom of God, on the other hand, means dying to yourself, your ways, but it is the only thing that leads to eternal life. And that's, become, that's because it comes not from this world, it comes from our Father in heaven. So what does it look like for you today to die to yourself and trust in Jesus? Church, this is what we exist for, and it is tough, but this is why we do it together with his wisdom and by his power. Let's close with a word of prayer. Thank you for listening to the sermon from Renaissance Church. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more, please feel free to contact us by email at renaissance.mtl.gmail.com or reach out to us on social media. It's our passion to love Jesus, love each other, and love our world.